So beauty is uh, what we call a transcendental because it pulls you up out of yourself into this realm of the transcendental, so this realm of beauty, so that eventually you will see like, well, what truly makes this beautiful? Not just that it tells you a moral, but it gives you a glimpse of the God who is wild beauty itself. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by my co-host, Dave. It's not delivery. It's Dave Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> Good, man. Listener I sent I in. I, oh, yeah, right. I wish I could have a, a pizza right now. Isn't that what you were, is that what you were quoting? A oh, pizza, man. Kind of pizza? Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? I saw people make a, an all-carnivore pizza, and the crust was made out of parmesan cheese and ground chicken yeah and they ground the chicken breast in a food processor <laughs> shaped it in, the, in the shape of a of dough of yeah. a pizza dough and then inside i don't even think they use pizza sauce i think they just use more cheese and uh wow and, and like a meat lovers yeah yeah that sounds great <laughs> protein no protein, i mean bro. actually that 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 grosses me out i'm not good at yeah. substituting things but uh i hate substitutes i too. hate substitutes i don't know i don't hey, know why we got our new it. keto crackers yeah. uh, go away right i hate it exactly i'd rather just deprive myself absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what man it seems like it seems like people are self unquarantining i mm-hmm. feel like things are starting to get back to normal don't you think Oh, if you live in the state of Texas, things have been back to normal. I know, I know. It it is interesting, and and I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about everything. But what, like that? You know, I've been working. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New wave and all that stuff. But I've been back at work full time for four weeks now. Oh wow! Everyone on our leadership team basically has. So, uh, yeah, we've been plugging away, just going strong. So. You know, we have uh, 25% capacity masses, social distancing, all that stuff. Here's an interesting thing. Are you guys back in, in mass? Yeah. No, no. We still do not have public masses. No. Okay. Now, let me tell you, this is the shocking thing. So we do registrations for mass so we can kind of control the numbers. Right. Because we cap it at 350. Okay. And a lot of people want to know this stuff, so I'll just throw in the how do we do it, right? We have an online thing called Planning Center. You can use Eventbrite or something like that. We, you have to, like, we could hold 375 with social distancing, but we cap it at 350 just in case we have more people that come. Right, right. That don't register online. Um, we got into a big debate, like, do we want to have um, people get a, you know, register early? And I was like, no, it's complicating needlessly. Just sit them and first come, first serve. And the argument was, if people are going to get a fight, get in a fight with us, you want them to get upset while they're in their Sunday best standing in front of the church in June in Houston <laughs> or at home in their pajamas. Oh, man, they hit 350. Guess we'll go next week. Right. Or guess we'll go to another mass. You know, and I was like, OK, that makes sense. So we just they come in. They show us their little thing, their uh, ticket or their email or whatever. This is insane. And we just, wow. Yeah, and we just send them in. They, you know, they a lot of them just have the confirmation email on their phone. They just hold it up, but we already have a list with their name on it. So we're like, oh, you have five people registered. Yeah, or all five here. No, one's not coming because she got too nervous. Okay, great. Come on in. Just follow that usher. They'll put you in. We seat from the front to the back. We have a couple spots for individual seats, and then uh, for communion, we do one section at a time, and then for after the closing song, when the priest uh, walks by, this is a great thing. No one leaves early. The priest leaves. And then uh, the closing song immediately becomes outro music. 
Right. And we, as soon as the priest walks by, we dismiss from the back to the front. So will you please leave? You exit out that side. You exit out that side. And everyone's able to social distance. The priest says hi, wearing a mask, doesn't shake hands. What is he? Um, he doesn't wear one during mass, though, right? He, uh, the, the kind of the rule is once you're up on the altar, you're too far away from the people. I mean, they're like 30 feet away from the nearest person. And all of our first pews are blocked, and it's every other pew. So the first pews are blocked so you can have social distancing with people receiving Holy Communion. So This is, it's, this is a brave new world, man. This is crazy. It is, it is. I'll tell you, this is the most shocking thing. You ready for this? Most shocking thing. So we opened the earliest you could open in our archdiocese with our governor and our county, whatever. We opened the earliest you could. We opened with a full mass schedule. So Saturday evening, 5 p.m., 7, 9, 11, 1 p.m. Spanish, 6 p.m. Life team. We had 350 capacity, right? Not a single mass filled up. Huh. Not even on the opening day, nor on any day since. Huh. We have daily mass every day at 9, followed by confession till 11, followed by uh, churches open for prayer until 3. Then we sanitize the whole place. Um, it is crazy doing all of this stuff. Uh, the daily masses are the size almost of our Sunday masses. So the 120, 150, usually we'll cap off about that. But, um, you know, our biggest masses will be like 250, but we've never once maxed out. So all the emails, all the angry phone calls, all the conversations, the bishops, the bishops are betraying the church. We want the Eucharist. Right. And it's like, really? Because yeah. we're at 11% capacity right now. <laughs> right. It's, right. it's shocking. It is shocking. So I would say to those of you who are planning on opening, you might want to have a contingency. Like we came up with a whole contingency of opening up the gym with metal chairs and we can wipe them down really easily. Ne we have never even come close to needing that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It is. What's happening. It is. Well, we I suggested we sell tickets, but no one was down for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I th I'm pretty sure you'd have less attending at that point even. Hey Dave, yourself. can you see the sign behind my head? Do you know what that says? Yes, Gomer. Happy, what is it? What happy is it birthday, say? Gomer. Happy birthday. Oh, Everybody say happy birthday to Gomer. The world should yeah, stop may, for Gomer's birthday. Yep. Yeah, and it kind of did. It was Memorial Day. <laughs> so it kind of did. And I'm just reminding you, everyone's going to hear this next week, but this is Thursday. This is like you know four days after my birthday, and I'm still reminding people. Yeah, yeah. Still well, well, we, well we, we know you well enough at this point. So <laughs> We know you're a coward. We know hey, you're a jerk. <laughs> hey, so the topic today, um, we'll probably, super excited. Yeah, we'll probably talk about this a lot. I mean, but this topic today is important. So, I, I've I've mentioned this place before. We got an email several months ago uh, from someone who owns a small art studio in Pittsburgh. Um, it's called Sacred Art and Wellness, and they they have religious art. And then they also do like I, I can't remember what it's called, soul core or something like that. It's like an alternative yeah. to yoga, Christian alternative to yoga or something like that. And she asked just about you know um, evangelizing through art and evangelizing through this resource of this store, and um, you know what are our tips about it and everything like that. And it, you know this is like an important topic because I think yeah. that. And Gomer, you can disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, but as the culture gets further and further away from God, I think like you can't beauty is going to be what connects them back to God and not necessarily just an onslaught of, 
hitting someone over the head with the gospel. It's going to be more like the the true, the beautiful, the good, you know, that that bridges that gap between um, a culture that is lost and uh, the, the the one who can save the culture. I think when we talk about beauty, so often we just re- and this is going to sound weird to say this, we just reduce it to art. And I think a lot of people, so famously, William Lane Craig, who's a famous Protestant apologist, and Bishop Barron um, had a sit-down discussion, and they were talking about different things and different aspects of their ministry. And Bishop Barron says he believes that the way to evangelize our culture is to lead with beauty. And they said, what does that mean? He's like, we'll take them to Chartres Cathedral, let them see the rose window, and how Christ is at the center of it, and look at this and look at that. And he goes, but then you got to talk to them. But then you got to, I don't understand how you can win with beauty. And, uh, the idea is, uh, I think Bishop Barron didn't nail it in that talk, but he does in uh, his other books where he talks about the beauty of Mother Teresa's life wins people wordlessly almost, right. Right? right? And that's the thing. Thomas Aquinas defined beauty as being as apprehended by, uh, or like the goodness of the being as apprehended by the senses, right. especially see and seeing and hearing, so music and art and all that stuff. But one of the things that I think we can lose sight of is like, or not not lose sight of, an intellectual argument that brings coherence to the Catholic faith, that 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 brings a unity to it. I think it can be a beautiful thing. So when we talk about beauty, it's not just art. Um, it can be you know, and we talk about um, Saint. Be- uh, excuse, I just canonized him. Pope Benedict talked about. Um, That's okay. I'm the, fine with that. Yeah, me too. Uh, the <laughs> art of Christian living, like the art of life. Right. And there's an element to incorporating beauty into our life. Not It's not just the science, it's the art. It's not just the technique, right? It's the unity that makes something beautiful. And when other people see that, they're led deeper in. Because ugly things should repulse us. Yeah, of course. And and that's the uh, – it's a beautiful draw because you can be drawn to the universal – and not even know it, right? I mean, everyone is drawn to the universal, and no matter how badly they maybe abhor um, the moral side of Christianity or those things, beauty astounds and beauty captivates in these things. So I, I think this is awesome. Like, so let me tell you a little bit about this this store, right? So it's in um, it's in a place in Pittsburgh called Brookline, which I like. I would describe as like super hipster. Okay. Yeah. And the girl and the girl who owns this. And her husband, like, they're, like, cool, okay? Like, so, like, I'm a huge nerd and I'm not cool to anyone. Like, they seem, like, right. super cool, right? So you walk <laughs> in and you're like, oh, this is awesome, right? Um, and they... We're talking fedoras. We're talking <laughs> deep V-necks. We're talking... <laughs> I don't know about all that. But they definitely fit in, right, right to that. And yeah. can talk, um, uh, you know, can talk to a culture that I, I probably couldn't talk to. But then all of the the paintings are Marian pretty much. OK, the majority of them are. And they're really excellently done. And I guess my yeah. my tips would be continue on in the excellence, because one of the worst things that Christians can do is bring a utilitarianism to art where you think like, you know that this is where we get like low in the dark rosaries right like um like excellence is what is going to draw people in and the beauty is going to draw people in and it doesn't even necessarily have to be religious although i think her paintings are very just evangelistic in themselves just because they're very compelling um 
but it but the excellence and the beauty and so sh- they host like local catholic artists like once a month like they have a, a a rosary outside on their sidewalk and everything and they'll have like a local catholic maybe singer or musician or something like that come and i would just like can i would call you on to like continue on to make sure that what you're putting out there is truly excellent so that the culture can see right like it can be done christianity can be done in an excellent beautiful good and true way and and really that's the way it should be done it is the way. Uh, yeah, when we talk about... I was a Mandalorian reference. Yeah, I got um, it, you nerd. Okay, okay, settle down, baby. That <laughs> <laughs> was beautiful. Um, no, when we talk about um, excellence, this is something that happens. When someone calls something Catholic or Christian, we give it a huge benefit of the doubt, a huge margin of error, and yeah. we, don't ask for es- we don't ask for excellence at all. Right. We just accept that it exists, not that it is excellent. So you have, you know, pure films producing all of these. And and we've talked about this before. But they are truly mediocre movies that serve, I uh, like how you said it, they don't serve beauty in the art in the in the form of uh telling the story, the artistry of telling the story. They serve the utility of getting a moral across. Right. With the story 100% taking a backseat. So uh, you have, you know, Mike or uh, Kirk Cameron's uh, Fireproof, right? Okay. You have I never these, saw it, but you, I've heard that was kind of. I believe that was the first one. Okay, but the, these are movies that you would describe them as Hallmark movies, right? right? That quality, right. the right. same, almost the identical. You know, my favorite there was that football one that used to make a life teen youth minister cry every time he would talk about this one scene. So I was like, all right, I gotta watch it, and I watched that movie, and it got to that scene. I was like, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest <laughs> Ugh, it broke my heart uh now i have no respect for that man no just kidding but um they they the the scene in the movie the guy carries another dude on his back a hundred yards when he didn't think he could do 10 and he just oh i'm carrying my brother like i'm carrying my cross and then all of a sudden because of that instance spontaneous bible study erupts all over the high school campus they're doing it they just they just started studying scripture on their own, and like, right. oh my gosh, come on! But uh, the, the, so that—that's the thing that we're, we're talking about, like the utility. Christian art always has to fight the tendency to become a moralism, always, right. and that's where you get the reaction to it of art for art's sake. Like something is worthy of beauty, something should be made if it's beautiful, just because it's beautiful, not because. It shows me the story of Jonah and the whale it because it teaches me thou shalt not steal. Like there are elements of beautifully compelling stories that are beautiful in and of themselves. And I, my favorite is to talk about J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings is an epic in all the ways epics are supposed to be sure, epic. It's grand. Sure. It's sweeping. It's deeply mythological. Um, but what people want to do is say, yeah, but where's the Trinity? Where's it? And it's not at all trying to like he wrote it so that in a way you could kind of harmonize it all. But the idea is it is this grand sweeping epic. And it is beautiful in and of itself. And I think oftentimes so beauty is uh, what we call a transcendental because it pulls you up out of yourself into this realm of the transcendentals in this realm of beauty so that eventually you will see like, well, what truly makes this beautiful? Not just that it tells you a moral, but it gives you a glimpse of the God who is wild beauty itself. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. 
Your thoughts no, are yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I couldn't agree more, and I couldn't feel like you know we're 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 getting further and further away from that in a sense. I think. I think there's a movement to like bring that back. Um, you know, like the the Catholic creatives movement and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that we do have a real issue with all of our medium trying to get across one specific point and not just love the created universe and want to express the beauty of that of that universe right including the, yeah. their own souls and hearts and things like that so i think that um you know the, it, it would be a dang shame to settle for bad christian art do you know what i mean it's a yeah. dang shame to settle for bad christian art and i think we have to be really careful of that and i think evangelizing through art it's even easier to fall into that slip, right? Because I've had so many parents say to me, well, I watched whatever latest Christian movie came out from whatever, you know, company. And well, then my, you know, my son said this at, at home and I, I just, I, I sent them the movie and, and I couldn't think of like almost a worse way to evangelize, honestly, because it says a few things. First of all, it says, um, you can hate this movie, but still get the message. And that's, and that's going to work. Number two, I'm not going to dig in. I'm not going to sit here and dig into the hard parts of our life and, and get into you and, and do it myself. And, and I think number three, it is a, it's a bandaid, right? Like it's once again, the bandaid, like, Oh, this, this happened. I'll just send them this movie and it'll fix it. You know? And, and those are, those are problematic. Yeah. Go ahead. When you go ahead. Oh, okay. So there is a certain non-Ascension Press media company that produced a Catholic media company that produced a <laughs> marriage curriculum. I'm trying to be delicate, Dave. I'm okay with this. And I run marriage prep now at my church. I'm so never I delicate, have read, so I'm fine. <laughs> I have read and reviewed a half a dozen of the kind of the top tier DVD book resources that are out there. And I, w I just want to compare Ascension Presses with this one. Okay. At the very beginning, there is an Ascension Presses marriage curriculum. I can't remember what it's called. Their marriage prep program. Uh, they have a story of boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, boy and girl get married. Where if it were just a, a video that you saw on TV, you would say, oh, that was sweet. That was beautiful. I loved that. And it's wordless. Like, you never hear them talk. Okay, it's just cool. the action, cool. which is what I love, right? Okay. And from that goes right into Christopher West explaining the beauty of okay. romance and the relationship between Eros and Agape and all that stuff and the, the love that sweeps us away and the love of self-sacrifice. This other curriculum provider of Catholic name uh, produced recently this thing. And so me and my wife, were we uh, I put our kids to bed early on trumped-up charges. So me and my wife could have some alone time. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I pop in the DVD and we start playing cards. And I said, you know, I want to watch this whole DVD thing all the way through. And the first video starts off with a story. And I was like, oh, okay, this is great. But it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of ripping off the Ascension program. And then it goes through <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is something totally different. This couple is in crisis. They're about to get a divorce. Okay. But I was like, but are they? Wait, I'm confused. And then it ends. And then the, the fade to black, you know, comes back on screen. And the guy that I thought had a troubled marriage is leading the session. Oh. And I thought, 
Oh. oh no! This is just bad storytelling. Oh it's, no! They're trying. To, you know, it was one of those things where the script's trying to be honest and raw and real, but sure, it comes across sure. as like I like I could not be more unhappy about being right. having this camera in my face. Right. And you're totally taken out of the content because it served a purely utilitarian function. Right. Of course, and it, did. it got it got the utility all wrong. Whereas. The Ascension Press one, and I, no one from Ascension Press paid me to say this. I have showed this video to my own kids. My oldest daughter, who's nine, as she was eight at the time, was crying, and she and she asked me to show it to her over and over again because yeah. it's so beautiful, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the difference between utility and beauty. And even when the utility, you have to be careful because when it's not done perfectly well, it's going to backfire. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, like that oh, that's a great example. I but I think, you know, just for everyone, even if you're not an artist, we do this with testimonies all the time. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a testimony where I'm like, "Oh, you went too far there." Like that yeah. you oh, shared yeah. way too much there, you know? And and it's like this idea of like I got to be raw, I got to be, you know, this, I got to be authentic, and it's like, "No, no, you you got to communicate Jesus <laughs> is what you I gotta, gotta be do. raw. So I was in Tijuana, right? No, right, no. right exactly. <laughs> Full reverse, right? Full reverse. So, so let's let's give some practical tips here. Um, first of all, she she's a professional artist. Like this stuff is amazing. Okay, yeah. and I'm gonna make a super aggressive statement here. But everyone, yeah. if you listen to us all the time, you know that I make extreme statements all the time. <laughs> Her depictions of the Blessed Mother are my favorite depictions of the Blessed Mother. Like yeah, they're gorgeous. Like I love them. Okay. Um. And so my tips would be this. I would lean into what you're doing. Like you're, th this store has a feel and it's, it draws people in and it, it certainly, I don't think you'd pass it and, and, and think like, oh, this is some weird Christian store. Not at all. Right. They very much are communicating beauty. Okay. Now they're not shy about it. I mean, it's called sacred art yeah. and wellness. And there's a big giant statue of the blessed Virgin in the, in the front window, but it's very beautifully done. And in a sense, I don't know if you can do this. Like, I don't know if artists do this on purpose. Cause I'm really artistically challenged, but mm -hmm. it's so compelling. This story is very, very compelling. And I don't know if they try to get that across or if that's just the way it is, but it's very compelling. And so kind of leaning into that, right. That, um, a, there's an air of mystery that is good. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all need to talk and, and, and tell the fullness of the truth, but there's an air of mystery. That's good because being drawn into that mystery, uh, can help someone to accept Christ more organically than just like, here's all the, all the things you need to know about Jesus Christ, right? Draw being drawn into the mystery can, can be a much easier way, a much easier transition for someone to accept, um, he who is beauty, right? So, uh, so that that would be my suggestion. Would be that you just continue doing what you're doing, and that let people come to you, be enwrapped in the mystery of these paintings and of your art. And I promise you that eventually people are going to say, "Why do you only paint this?" And that'll be the moment when you can say, "Okay, either the Holy Spirit or Dave is tapping me on the shoulder and saying, okay, now it's time for me to talk.'" Um, and and I know it will happen. Yeah, and I also want to speak to... So I have a friend named Trisha who does um, Providential.co. Um, she does her devotional good stuff. And I know Ascension Press has um, prints that you can buy and different things like that that are, that are gorgeous. Um, but one of the things that 
that happens with this is the the people like with Catholic creatives, these artists bubble to the top who are truly excellent. And, and why do we keep talking about this? It's because like in the realm of credibility, that which is believable or trustworthy, mediocre artists who produce mediocre artwork but sell out because it's religious artwork, right? Aren't doing anything for non-believers, right? right. You're just so if you want to be evangelical in art, right? Leading with beauty, part of it is the sharpening of your craft. So for instance, right. I was talking right. with this guy, decent musician, not a great mu- musician at all. Probably not even a good musician. And I said to him, uh, we were talking about praise and worship music, which he always leads. And I said, and he can sing well. Um, and I said, you know, how hard is it to play guitar to praise and worship songs? He started laughing and he was like, oh, it's the easiest thing in the world. Like everything is so simple and so like dumbed down that anyone can do it once you get the basics of the chords and stuff. And it's really funny. Like that's kind of like an ongoing joke. And he just said, so I said to him, then why don't you throw yourself into secular music? And master the guitar. Because then when you turn to writing Christian music or developing your own style, you will then have the freedom to take it much further. But, you know, you find this whole cadre of people who know how to play, what was it, the A, C, and G chord, the Holy Trinity of praise and worship, right? Like, (laughs) uh, that was from a comedian. But you have this whole thing if it's like, it's so simple, anyone can, you know, any high school youth group leader who can play the guitar can can master these songs. Well, guess what? We are lowering the bar for artwork, right? right? You were lowering the bar for music. And I thought his highest deserved our utmost, right? But Ooh. it's often Ooh. the exact other way around. His highest gets my leftovers. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 throw yourself into excellence. I, I agree. I could not agree more with what you're saying. I think, I, I think that we are done not being able to build credibility with the culture that that will finish us that will f- yeah. absolutely finish us we have to be able to speak to the to the the most excellent um of our craft so um again uh you you're doing a great job and i think that your your store is awesome like i like going there because it makes me feel cool like the store mm-hmm. it's like one of those hipster places you know and um and, why does she uh, call it sacred art and wellness well, I think that's the the soul core side. Okay. Wellness. Gotcha. Yeah. The wellness part. Yeah. And um and I and I think they I, I don't I don't know how successful it is. When I went there, there were people coming in and out. So I think it's awesome, but it's a big foot traffic area. So I think that we're you're gonna see a oh, lot yeah. of great, great fruit from this uh in the future. So when we come back, we're gonna give you some practical takeaways here. Uh, as we always say, Gomer and I love being a part of the Ascension Press family, um, and I hope you'll check out what they have to offer because um, you know you can you could really become a mature Catholic just by taking uh, some of their resources and educating yourself. So uh, you'll hear a little message from them. As always, if you need to contact us, it's eksb at ascensionpress.com. That's eksb at ascensionpress.com. We all know, no surprise, we are facing a crisis in marriage and family life in our world today. But the Holy Spirit grants the church what she needs when she needs it. And the great gift given to the church today 
to respond to this crisis without a doubt is St. John Paul II's glorious vision of life and love called the theology of the body. Of course, anyone familiar with this beautiful theological vision knows that this needs to be translated in such a way that today's engaged couples can receive it, embrace it, and live it out in their lives. That's the gift of the Joy-Filled Marriage Program. Whether you're familiar with the Joy-Filled Marriage Program or you're new to it, you'll be glad to know this program has been updated and given a fresh approach specifically with today's couples in mind. Not only do we unfold this glorious vision for them, but we also give them practical tools to live it in their lives. Here's what you get with the Joy-Filled Marriage Program. Beautifully designed written materials for both leaders and couples, and short, compelling cinematic videos featuring experts and witness couples that do the heavy lifting for you in addressing some of the more difficult and sensitive issues. 94% of the couples say this program improved their relationship with the church and their understanding of church teaching. And 97% of the couples say this program improved their relationship with God. What do these statistics tell us? It's not that these couples have heard an authentic vision of Catholic teaching and rejected it. Rather, the large majority of them simply haven't heard the church's teaching presented to them in a beautiful, compelling, and life-changing way. But when they do, they're open to it. They take it in, and it really changes lives. If that's what you want, the Joy-Filled Marriage Program delivers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thanks to Central Press for sponsoring us and supporting us. Y'all are beautiful. Um, okay, so here's the practical takeaway, and this is going to be something different, okay? And I love this. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What I would love for you to do is to, one, maybe memorize that verse, and number two, to write down true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious. Maybe pull out a couple different translations to see what words fit in there well. Like lovely could be beauty, true, obviously true, honorable could be good, you know, like however you think about this. And prayerfully meditate, like come up, brainstorm things that are true, that are honorable, that are just under each of those categories, uh, which are six of them. Think about these things. They can be from the secular world. They can be non-religious things that are true or just or pure or lovely or gracious, whatever. Write them down and then think, how can I incorporate this within evangelization? Right? So if you think about true and you love St. Thomas Aquinas, how can you incorporate St. Thomas into your translations of stuff or your um, evangelization of people. How can you do that? I was looking at all these Bible translations, so I said translation. Right? How can you take something honorable? What is honorable? What is able to be honored? And write that into your thing. It can be just an excellent way to pray with Scripture and also uh, to make the living of Scripture practical. Okay, so that's that's your that's your practical takeaway. What do you think, Dave? 
I'm excited to do it. I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to report nice. back to you, Gomer. You better. We, next week. We, uh, <laughs> we love being with you every week. We hope you'll tune in next week. God bless you all, and good day. Good day to you, sirs and ma'ams. Adios.